only one ride But I got news for you today That it still takes the old time way I don't want to live life on the edge I'd rather live where the Bible says You may say I walk too straight The Bible said it is a narrow way Good morning Welcome to the Two Peas on a Pop podcast Back again with the Why I Believe series and uh, we're here again for the part three episode, but slightly different topic with Pastor Curtis Cordell again. We appreciate him agreeing to come on here for all these episodes. And uh, we told you about it, and here it is. And so we've been talking about the coming of the Lord the last two episodes of the Why I Believe series. And uh, today we're going to talk about kind of uh, what takes place after the rapture. We talked about up to the rapture, the signs of the times. We talked about the rapture itself. We talked about a little bit about the bodily resurrection and glorified body. And now we're going to talk about with him about after the rapture, five seconds after the rapture in particular, and then kind of move on through the rest of the end times, kind of a synopsis here. And uh, and so I want to I want to say right here that for the sinner, or uh, for the saint rather, this day of the coming of the Lord is going to be a day of rejoicing. For the saint, it's going to be a day of rejoicing. But for the sinner, this day is going to be a day of regret. Not rejoicing, but regret. And I want to ask you a question. Those of you who are listening here, I want you to think about it. Just a few seconds after the rapture takes place, every single Christian that's actually saved, blood-bought, clean, and ready to go is taken out of this world. Just a few seconds after that rapture, there will not be one Christian in this entire world. Can you imagine living in a world like that? A lot of things is held back because people are praying. People are praying. And uh, I want you to think about this. Have you ever thought that the rapture is going to be amazing for the children of God? But have you ever thought that the rapture is going to be the worst catastrophe this world's ever seen? It's going to be worse than any world war. It's going to be worse than any war whatsoever, any mass shooting. It's going to be worse than 9-11. It's going to be worse than any act of terrorism, anything you can possibly think of in history. The rapture will beat it. Why do you say that, preacher? Well, I want you to think about it. Think about the train conductor going down the tracks. Who knows how fast? Raptured. Well, who's going to drive that thing? Where's it going to land? Where's it going to crash? All the trains. Think of all the... I, I remember looking up how many times, how many airplanes were in the sky at one time. I looked it up, too. Do you think every one of them pilots are lost? I don't know. I'm not God. What All it takes is one pilot. Or two pilots, the pilot and co-pilot. Or what if the co-pilot can't do it? What if he's a newbie or something like that, you know? What if the airplane goes down just because the pilots were raptured? What if that one plane hits just the wrong spot? You know, what if it hits a building and hundreds of people get killed from one plane? I know I'm using my imagination here, but think about these semi-drivers. Man, they go 80, 90 miles an hour. Some of them carrying diesel, propane jet fuel you name it they go crashing into a grocery store because he's gone you know i'm just you know i'm using my imagination but i want you to think about it. military jets flying with bombs we worked in a marathon refiner i've often made mention to this these crane operators would lift up tanks and pipes above active piping above active tanks that were making jet fuel and uh, diesel and gasoline and what if that crane, 
you know, it has no operator, and one of those things drop, that whole entire refinery could blow up just because one person dropped the wrong thing in the wrong place. And if that refinery blows up, Ashland, Kentucky is not a small town, and it's right next door. That refinery, and I don't, I don't have the statistics to back this up, but this is what they say when you work there. They say if that refinery blew up, it'd take out around a 50-mile radius because of all the piping underground and everything else. It's, it's unbelievable. How many people die because the wrong thing happened at the wrong time? The rapture is going to be a terrible catastrophe. Yes, it will for the earth and uh, the people left here. And, uh, you know, that's the scenario that they're looking at. But uh, people, you know, they don't understand. They they don't study the Bible. They don't study uh, what the Lord said was going to happen and what was gonna, he was going to do. But uh, it could be, you know, look at all the boats that uh, are on the ocean, all the ships. I mean, there is so many things like that to consider that uh, people are going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye they're going to leave here they're going to be gone instantly and uh, you know whatever the consequences are they are and people talk about well a loving god wouldn't do that but a loving god has warned people and i'll tell you the rapture the coming of the lord is the next thing on the prophetic time uh, time clock of god and when the rapture takes place the age of grace is over the age of grace is finished and god's going to revert back to israel and deal with israel and the tribulation will begin shortly uh after the rapture and uh, i'll tell you we don't understand a lot of people don't understand i should say how that uh, the age of grace has affected people just this love 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 and uh, it's almost you know it's almost sicky love and uh, they don't they act like god just he don't even recognize sin or he don't care anything about sin and people have settled on their lees as the bible says and they thank god santa claus he's sitting up there like a big santa claus and he's just there to ask for stuff but uh, i tell you god is not santa claus he don't. Uh, he's not a god just uh, like a spare tire to use him when you need him. But uh, if people would have a biblical concept of God, they'd see God has a, a judgment side, and there is a a lot of wrath coming on this earth and a lot of judgment. The Bible talks about how Jesus' garments, his vesture, will be dipped in blood, dipped in red. And it said he'll look like that man that's stomping grapes in the wine vat. And the wine vat is a big hole in the earth where they throw all their grapes and a man jumps in there and squashes them grapes. That's how they used to get the juice out of it in, in olden times. You can imagine what he would look like. They're up to his knees in grapes and squashing them. It's going to be all over him. All over him. And Jesus said, that's what I'm going to look like with the blood of sinners when I come to judge. He said, I'm going to judge. And there's going to be a lot of bloodshed from sinners and lost people that has rejected Christ. And the majority of this world is going to be caught unaware. I was looking at statistics, 
This is just a fact. The United or the world population, we're we're probably getting near about eight billion right now. That's that's about where we're about where we're at. And you look at Islam. Islam is one point nine one billion. Two billion people. Two billion people are Islam. Unbelievable. Wow. Hinduism, one point one six billion. Buddhists, five hundred and seven million. Judaism, fourteen point six million. And then you got Catholics. Catholics are 1.3 billion yeah. Catholics. That's unbelievable. You do the math, and you're looking at half of the world believes in false doctrine. Half of this world, the majority of this world, believes in gods that are dead, in the ground, buried, dust. Gods that they created by their own hand. Buddhists, they, they don't even believe in God. The, they have a Buddha, little tiny statue that they put on their top shelf and dust off every once in a while. You can study about that. And then, of course, Catholics, you know, in just different things. You know, you can pray to a priest. You go to a confession booth, give your priest enough money to get out of purgatory. Pur- there ain't no such thing as purgatory. Heaven and hell, it's what it's always been. Bible don't even say nothing about that. I don't even know where they get it from. It's unbelievable. And then Mary, I told one guy at work one time, and uh, he was talking about Mary, had the necklace, had everything. I said, we talked and talked and talked. We was good friends. I said, man, you can pray to Mary all you want. I said, it's like praying to my grandma. She can't hear me. And there's only one mediator. There's only one man that can save your soul, and that's Jesus Christ. Anything except that, you got to be clean. You cannot be dirty and clean at the same time. And so when you look at the population of the world, I was trying to look it up. Um, I think it's around 8 billion. And uh, I'm going to look it up here. It's 7.753 billion is the population of the world. And almost half, or around half of that yeah. is believing false doctrine. Right. If you look and see that uh, the world is getting farther and farther away from the truth, not closer and closer. The, the old-time people used to believe, it used to be a popular doctrine that Christ was going to come back to a perfect world. The church, the preachers, um, uh, just the preaching was going to bring the world back and, and it was going to, everybody was going to be converted uh, before the end and Christ was going to come back after everybody got saved. But I'll tell you, uh, the World Wars, they say, pretty much ended that. World War One, World War Two, uh, people saw that th- that's not how it's going to work out. That's not going to be it. And the Bible never did teach that. I don't know why people would look to something like that. But the Bible always said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Then Jesus gave that parable. He said the kingdom of heaven is lacking under three measures of meal that a woman took some leaven and put in it till it was all leavened. So here's what he's saying. The church world is going to be corrupt. The church world is going to get more and more corrupt all the time. And that is what we see. Now, you know, we talk about earthquakes increasing. We talk about different things that the Bible talks about in the end, pestilence and all that. Uh, increasing and now uh, you know the Bible does say that he'll send them a spirit of strong delusion he'll send them strong delusion that they'll believe a lie they all might believe a lie and be damned so that is where the church world and this last day uh, generation they're delusional they're delusional they 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 
teach things and preach things that's opposite the Bible. Now they can have homosexual preachers, homosexual church members. I don't know why they even use a Bible if they, you know, if they're going to go directly contrary to what it teaches. But this generation is delusional, just like the Bible said. Now, after the rapture is what we're talking about. And the Bible talks about that spirit of strong delusion. There's going to be these church members. They're going to have to deny the rapture. They're going to have to say that wasn't the rapture. They're going to have to try to keep hold of some kind of uh, sanity and, and their people. They're, they're going to say, well, the, that, that, uh, that had to be something else. I mean, can you imagine some of these big-time preachers that's got these uh, tens of thousands of church members? Yeah. And uh, what are they going to do? Why didn't you tell us? And uh, they're, they're going to they're gonna have to come up with something. But they are delusional. <coughs> uh, look at our government. Man, our government's delusional. Uh, they, they make outlandish, ludicrous laws and, and try to uh, keep this country rolling. And you can see that it's falling apart because of the things that they say and the things that they do. They get We give drug addicts needles. We give drug addicts drugs. We declare alcoholism a disease and give people money for it so they can keep drinking. And uh, it's delusional. Things uh, just It's ridiculous. But uh, the Bible said that's the way it'd be. Yes, sir. And so after the rapture, after the rapture, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't completely know exactly when the judgment seat of Christ is going to take place. Um, it, it's something that is, uh, you know, it's not something that's nailed down in Scripture to us. And uh, But we can read in Revelation chapter 4, we can read about those 24 elders that represent the church. And they cast their crowns before the throne in worship. And these crowns is taught to us that come from the judgment seat of Christ, according to around Second Corinthians five, is the judgment seat of Christ, and so which will occupied by only saved people. And so, if they throw their crowns in worship in Revelation four, it kind of has to prove to us that it ain't very long after the rapture. There's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. We can't nail down the exact time. Some think it's even in the air. We don't know for sure, but we can know that this is. According to Scripture, it looks like it's going to take place before the tribulation starts in Revelation chapter number 6. And so, the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And so, that is the judgment of those that are saved. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 is the Scripture. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Well, you can look up those words good or bad in the Greek, and they don't mean, you know, when you look at the word bad, you may think that means sinful. Well, it don't. You look in the word in the Greek in the original, good and bad means righteous or unworthy, because every person in this judgment is saved. Yeah. If uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 also is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And in the original language, it's bima, the bima judgment. And bima means, strictly, it means rewards. And that's what the judgment seat of Christ really will be uh, mostly about. And uh, there'll be some weeping. There'll be some regrets. There'll be some remorse. Uh, there'll be people there. The 1 Corinthians chapter 3 teaches 
you know, that uh, our, our works is going to come up before the Lord. When we come before the Lord, you know, he's going to have all of our works there. And uh, that book that will contain that, he'll look down and there will be some, has, the, their works will be precious stone, gold, silver, precious stone, and others will be wood, hay, and stubble. And those whose works are wood, hay, and stubble, they'll burn up because all these works are going to be tried by fire. And if they stand the fire, there'll be a reward for them. But if they don't stand the fire, they burn up, they won't be a reward for them. There's going to be different degrees in heaven. There's going to be different degrees in hell, according to the scripture. And, uh, I, you know, I don't expect to have the same reward as the Apostle Paul. I don't expect to uh, have the same kind of position in all eternity and glory as the Apostle Paul. I'm glad I'll be there. I was there at my high school graduation, but I didn't graduate top of my class. And that we, uh, you know, for a, for a country boy, we had a pretty big school. I think there was like 400 in my class. And uh, it was a big class. But uh, I, I graduated. Thank God I was there. I was among them. Amen. And uh, I didn't have the gold sash and, and uh, all the honors and all that. And uh, I wasn't the smartest one, but I was there. And, you know, I believe when we see some of these great men and uh, some of these even that I've known, my goodness, when they go up to get their reward, I believe they'll be cheering. I believe there'll be applause. I believe we'll have a wonderful time. And I believe it'll be right after the rapture. I believe it'll be soon after the rapture. And then I believe it'll be before the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to have the rapture is the next thing, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. Then that great banquet, that great marriage supper. But this judgment of, of rewards, you know, the Bible said even those people there in this particular judgment, they will, uh, the, that, that their works burn, they'll be saved. It said they themselves will be saved even though their works burn. So, you know, somebody, just think about somebody gets saved on their deathbed. Now, some people might say, oh, I don't believe in that. It don't matter. Amen. It don't matter uh, what we believe necessarily. It matters what the Bible said. And the Bible said some of them got in on the 11th hour. Some of them come in on the 11th hour. And I have seen them do that. I know uh, a man that uh, I preached his funeral. He got saved right at the last he got saved right at the end but you know he won't have any works his works are going to burn he won't have a lick of works to offer the lord he didn't witness for christ to no one he didn't win any souls he didn't teach his children right no he didn't do anything that he should have done only he got saved like the thief on the cross the thief on the cross got saved with his dying breath and uh, he's saved. But I'll tell you, uh, he'll regret how he lived for all eternity. And when some ways, I know the Lord's going to, God's going to wipe every tear from their eye. But still, there are going to be uh, some degrees there. But thank God, I'll tell you, the main thing is salvation. Salvation. Like I say, I didn't graduate at the top of my class, but I graduated. I was one of them. Amen. I'm glad I'm still part of that class. I don't have one of those yearbooks, but all those guys that got them, if they look in that thing, they're going to see that old face. 
they're going to see that old picture. There I was. Amen. I was part of it. But the rapture is coming. The Lord's coming. The church is going to be called out of here. Tribulation is going to begin. It's going to last seven years. Uh, the, the middle part of it is going to be um, very, very significant. The Antichrist is going to reveal himself. And uh, there are going to be some uh, very more, much more intense plagues. That last bunch of plagues, those bold judgments or vile judgments, they're going to be far more severe even than the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments. But they're all going to be bad. And a lot of them's already going to have taken place. And people talk about, well, we're pre-wrath and pre-wrath. If you're pre-wrath, you're pre-trib. <laughs> because the wrath starts, amen, yeah. before the Antichrist is revealed. Uh, there's still these plagues and these things that's going to be happening to the earth. Uh, they come before uh, thir chapter 13. I'll tell you that. You can look and see. The, the wild beast is going to be far more vicious and everything than they are right now. And there's going to be just so many significant things take place on this earth, just the elements and things. But uh, then after the tribulation, there's going to be, of course, the, the culmination of that will be Armageddon. And, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how the devil won't give up at all. He keeps trying to overcome God and defeat God and, and overthrow God. And It looks like one of these days he'd get the message, hey, you can't whip God. You cannot whip God. He gets right. all these armies together at Armageddon. You know, he tried that in heaven. He got kicked out of heaven. Now here he's going to do it at Armageddon. And he's going to come against God and try to fight against the Lord. Can you imagine if you're the Antichrist and the false prophet? And there you are. And uh, you've uh, convinced all the armies of the world to come and uh, come pass around Jerusalem. And you're gonna, they're going to all get ready to pounce on Jerusalem and annihilate it and wipe it out. And all of a sudden the sky begins to rumble. And the clouds begin to roll back. And here comes the Lord with all of his armies. And uh, that old, that old uh, Antichrist and false prophet looked up and said, Oh my God, what's happening here? What is this? What's going on here? Amen. And before they know it, uh, he, they're, they're destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Amen. And the sword of his mouth, which is his word. I'll tell you what, there's some glorious things going to take place. You'll be part of that if you'll serve God. You'll be part of that if you'll hold on. Then they'll go into the millennial reign. The millennial reign is a beautiful thing to study and to read about. Read it there in Isaiah 35 and lots of other passages in the Old Testament where it's going to be a time of prosperity. One place there in the minor prophets, Hosea, or one of them there, it talks about how that the, the, the reaper will not be able to stay ahead of the sower. In other words, the, it'll be so prosperous of a time. It'll be uh, so great of a time that all the harvest can't get done. That God's going to give them such a bountiful harvest. In other words, and that's prosperity. He's talking about financial prosperity. That before the reaper can harvest all that the fruit and things that's on the vines and the trees, here it's time to sow again. 
And the reaper looks over and said, what are you doing, brother? He said, I'm sowing the seed. Well, he said, well, I haven't even got it all reaped yet. I don't even have it all gathered in yet from last year. He said, can't help it. Time to sow. Time to sow again. I'll tell you, it's going to be a prosperous time. It's going to be a peaceful time. The plowshares and the swords are going to be beaten into pruning hooks. Oh, praise the Lamb of God. And in the plows, the Bible said, it'll be a time you won't need no sword, won't need no spear. It'll be a time that Jesus Christ himself reigns from Jerusalem with all power and might and righteousness. And we'll have a time of great peace and prosperity and a time of purity. Not even a fool will err therein. Not even a fool will err therein. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. That'll be a wonderful. The millennial reign will be a time, like you said, a thousand years with no devil. Can you imagine a time with no devil? And uh, and then, but then he'll be released after all of those years, and he'll be released, and there'll be those that fall. Yep. And uh, and then so right thereafter, we're we're working up ourselves to the great white throne judgment, and that takes place in Revelation chapter number twenty. And uh, I might as well just read the scriptures. And uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened, another book was opened, which is a book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This great white throne judgment, it says that death and hell will give up the dead. The sea will give up the dead. All of those that are in hell Right now, this very single moment, you've often in your preaching likened it to a county jail. They're waiting their trial. Nobody's ever been tried. They're in hell. Hell right now is their temporary holding place. It's not their eternal home. And so they'll be in this judgment, and John sees a great white throne, which is the judgment for all the sinners of all mankind. It's the last courtroom of history, the final courtroom. And you can't call no witnesses. It's you and God. And God calls the roll. God reads the record books. And God recalls. You know, every time I say you, I need to say those that are in that judgment. You might not be there. So the picture's getting in the habit of saying you all the time. But uh, those that are going to be in that judgment, you know, Jesus, he, he's a lamb. He's going to be a lion. He's going to be the judge at this time. And Jesus is going to tell them on this day, I died for you. I came to this earth for you. Don't you see these nail-scarred hands? It's for you. And, uh, you know, he's going to recall every time someone slapped him away, every time he reached for him, every service they sat through and refused to pray, every sermon they heard, every chance they had. And, uh, he, you know, every time someone heard the gospel and people will scream out to him this day, I'll do it now. I'll do it. I've seen enough now. I'll do it right now. I'll do it. Uh, you know, they've seen death and hell. They, they came out of hell. You know, they're awaiting a judgment. They're, they're, everything's going to be uh, read to them. And, uh, you know, and it says, the Bible says, and I'm going to get right back to you, it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, earth, and under the earth. Yeah. Every tongue will confess. And, you know, one thing is, if you, if someone doesn't want to pray to Jesus now, they will someday. Every they single will. person in this world will 
pray and believe God someday. Everyone in hell believes him right now. Everybody in hell is no doubt praying to him right now. Don't matter now. Everybody will pray then. It won't matter. It's too late. So you might not, someone might not do it now, but they will later. They will. Amen. It, uh, the Bible said every knee and every tongue. And uh, Mussolini said he'd never bow to Jesus, but he will. And like I say, you know, the, the Bible says death is going to, hell and death is going to give up the dead. And death and hell both will be cast into the lake of fire. And uh, those that are dead and uh, their souls is in hell like the rich man, they still have not faced their worst day. They still have not faced their worst moment. Their worst moment will be at the judgment there at the white throne and the great white throne. And when they hear, you know, bind them hand and foot, cast them into outer darkness. And he'll say, I never knew you. And uh, uh, the Bible teaches that second death, second death, that second death is the worst, will be the worst experience any human being could ever experience. No matter, you know, there's some bad moments people have suffered. They've had to listen to the doctor when they said they didn't make it. When it's concerning maybe a wife or a husband, a father, a mother, a child, the operating doctor, the surgeon may come out of the operating room and say they didn't make it. That's bad news. Or maybe a doctor tells an individual, it's terminal, you've got cancer, bad news. But I'll tell you, none of those things even compare with the second death. When the Lord says, bind them hand and foot, cast them from me, cast them into outer darkness. That's the worst moment any human being could ever experience. And people, uh, they don't realize a lot of times, everybody everyone at the great white throne is lost every person in that judgment is lost and every person in the bema in the judgment seat of christ at the judgment seat of christ is saved and the bible teaches us that sinners shall not stand in the judgment it teaches us these judgments are separate and there's no general judgment in the bible there's no general judgment um I think some people look at the uh, the judgment there at Armageddon. When the Lord comes at Armageddon, he puts the goats on his left hand, he puts the sheep on his right. And some people take that for the judgment of souls, but that's mortal people. And that's people right there and then. And those sinners are going to hell. And the those sheep will be permitted to go into the millennial reign. So everybody at the great white throne is lost. I know we have these youth camps and I've seen these judgment scenes and these plays with judgment scenes and uh, you know some people <laughs> saved they come up to this judgment and they all go into heaven my child you've you know you're loved and then they drag these other people screaming and kicking to the judgment and say you're lost Just throw them into hell and they throw them over to the other place kicking and screaming and hollering but uh, the judgments are separated and uh, they're a thousand years apart. Just like I said, the dead live not again till the thousand years was over. The wicked dead stayed dead for another thousand years after the righteous were resurrected. And, you know, that's our hope. The resurrection and the rapture, the body is going to be reunited with the spirit. 
the spirits made perfect right now in heaven to the people that died saved. And uh, when the Lord rose from the grave, that was the what a uh, you know what a strengthening to the disciples. What a shot in the arm. They were weak at that time. They saw the Lord die. They saw him uh, put in the grave. And then he said, I am he him that liveth and was dead. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then he said, because I live, ye shall live also. I'll tell you, that changed those disciples. It sure changed old Thomas, didn't it? said, Thomas, put your finger in my hand. Put your hand in my side. And he wasn't there when Thomas said what he said, but he knew that, that Jesus heard it. He knew what Jesus was referencing when Thomas told him. He said, I won't believe unless I put my finger in his hand and my hand in his side. I refuse to believe. And the Lord told him to do those very things. And uh, there he saw him resurrected. And old Thomas, I'll tell you what, it changed Thomas so much. Thomas became a martyr. He died for the gospel, just like the rest of the disciples besides John. Praise God. Amen. So the Lord's coming, and these things are going to happen. And after the millennial reign, like Austin said, the devil will be turned loose again. There'll be another great battle. And he'll he'll have many on his side again. Like I say, he don't learn. He'll never learn. He'll never admit that he's defeated. But I'm telling you, he's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. There's victory in Jesus. Jesus told the disciples, I saw the devil fall as lightning. I saw him like lightning fall. That's how long it took the Lord to kick him out of heaven. Just as quick as you could snap your fingers. Amen. And after that millennial reign battle, after the end of the millennial reign, of course, we'll go into eternity. And the Bible teaches us that we're going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. We're going to rule with Jesus. Praise God. We're going to reign with him. Amen. It's been good to be on here. Uh, we appreciate Austin and Zach and, and what they're doing for the Lord. Well, that concludes our episode with Pastor Curtis Cordell. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the coming of the Lord. We hope you enjoyed all the talks about the, you know, the judgment seat of Christ and uh, uh, tribulation, the millennial reign, and the great white throne judgment, and then eternity. We're going to reign with God, reign with God forever. I tell you, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to be here. Amen. I don't want to be here in the tribulation. I don't want to experience the things that's going to happen in the tribulation. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be absolutely terrible. And uh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Let's live for God. Let's live for God. Let's be right. Let's be holy. Let's go in the rapture and go be with Jesus. Amen. Well, this has been the Two Peas on a Pod podcast with Austin Griffiths and Zachary Cordell. We hope you enjoyed these episodes with Pastor Curtis Cordell. And I tell you, if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com, or you can follow us and find us on Instagram, and uh, the 2Ps on a Pod podcast, or 2Ps on a Pod 21 should pop up there. You'll see our logo with Austin Griffiths and Zachary Cordell. You can also DM us there. 
And uh, I tell you, if you want to give us any feedback regarding these three episodes with Brother Brother Kurt, we would greatly appreciate it, and uh, we'll get it back to him as well. And uh, I tell you, I just believe he really helped us and blessed us, and I thank him for being willing to come on. And uh, to record three episodes takes a while. And uh, so to take that many hours out of his day um, to be able to just sit down and record that many episodes, I appreciate him so much for doing that. And uh, I tell you, I've just enjoyed everything he's had to say. And uh, we're going to get off of here. But next episode, me and Zach will be together again. And uh, Brother Zach, is um, I'm kind of going to interview him, I guess you could say. He's going to be heading the topic of the bodily resurrection. He's going to dive into that for us. And uh, so stay tuned for the next episode. It's going to be a good one. And uh, take us out of here, Brother Benjamin Staggs.